morning, church. So we're going to be uh, talking about the kingdom of God again. Uh, our springboard uh, passage of scripture is in Matthew chapter 6. So I'm going to start there again. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, or 9 and 10. It says, pray then like this. This is what Jesus says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you'll remember, just before Jesus enters into this conversation with them, he was also pointed out two other types of Christians, well, not Christians, but types of believers in God and how they prayed. And he starts off talking about there's, there's this group of people that believe in God, but they're hypocrites. And this is how they pray. They pray in a way that gets all of the people who are listening to them, all the people that are seeing them, to, to just think highly of them because the only thing that people can see is the outward appearance, right? And so they are pretenders, Jesus says. They are hypocrites. They are, they are actors. You know, just like you would have actors that are playing a part in a movie. That's what they are because when they walk away, when they go home, that's not what they are on the inside. And so Jesus says there's a group of people that pray like that. And then he says there's a group of people that, that pray like God is a genie, you know, that they just kind of come up with a formula. They babble and babble and babble, and they just have these lengthy prayers, thinking that they can somehow manipulate God to favor them, to do something, on, move God on, and in their way, to move him to behave and act in a way that would benefit them in some way. And so Jesus sees this. He sees that there's this, these groups. And to be honest with you, if I think if we're honest, we can relate to that to some degree. Like, I think, at least me, I, I think that I have felt that in my spirit. And the reason is because the Holy Spirit convicts me, right? And I think when the Holy Spirit convicts you that you're becoming hypocritical in your prayer life or even in your life, or you're becoming where you're trying to manipulate God in some way to do something, to move some, some way on your behalf— for the Holy Spirit to just reveal that to us. And, and we moved back to taking the approach that Jesus has because Jesus is saying, here's how I would rather you pray. I would rather you pray this way, and that is our Father who was in heaven. In other words, acknowledge that God is above you. Acknowledge that he's above everything. There's nothing that God isn't above. He is our Father who is in heaven. And then he goes on and he says, and then express yourself in that there is nothing in this world that I desire more than you, God. And that's why he says, hallowed be your name, because nothing more than you. You are the greatest in my life. You're greater than me. You're greater than everything around me. And then he goes on to just say, you know, God, you are more important than me, you're more important than my wife, you're more important than, than Donald Trump or Oprah or anybody else that's on your list, right? You're, you are the greatest. You're, you're higher and mightier than all of them. And that's why, and, and, and lastly, he says, and to pray that you want his will to be done in your life, in your circle, and around your family, in your your community, and your country. You want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how Jesus wants us to approach the throne of God. Now, Jesus is suggesting that we be the exception. That's what he's suggesting. 
And we'd be the exception. And the reality is, just in Jesus' day, as he was looking out and seeing the crowds, there, he was calling people to be the exception. There's this group that were hypocritical. There's this group that's trying to manipulate God. But he wants, he wants to call all people to be the exception. But he knows that there's only a few people that will be the exception. Many people are using God for recognition. Many people are using God to benefit themselves. But how many people are, are just making it about God? You know, that's what they're after, is just his kingdom come, his will be done. Instead of focusing on self, but for us to focus upon him. A lot of people call themselves Christians in our world, but I wonder how many people are truly all about promoting Jesus and his kingdom over promoting themselves, over promoting other people's agenda and such. You know, my sermon is all about calling you to be the exception. Satan, as we talked about last week, he, he is the prince of this kingdom. This is his domain where we are living right now. This is his spot, his place. And he's going to do everything that he can in the midst of all this chaos that is going on around us, maybe even in our life personally. He will try to use that to get us to quit focusing on the kingdom of God. He will try to get us to focus on, you know, something else other than. Because he knows that we are under a lot of pressure. Satan knows that we are under a lot of pressure to be focused on things around us that, that are threatening us. You know, they're threatening the goodwill of our, our lives, our family, our community, our country, or whatever it is that is out there. And he knows that we will want to focus on that. And Satan would love, love it if we quit focusing on the kingdom of Jesus and start focusing on this kingdom. That's what he's after. This is his kingdom. He would want everybody to be focusing on this kingdom. So today I want to look at Paul, is what we're going to do. And I want us to see how Paul was the exception. In the midst of what he was living in and the chaos that he was living in, and when he was put into a place where, you know, they were threatening his, you know, self-preservation. And what did he do? How did he stay focused on the kingdom of God instead of on something other than? The thing I want you to know as we begin to read this scripture is I want you to know right off that where, where Paul is when he's penning what we are going to read, where he literally was, and he was in prison. Why? Because he was promoting the kingdom of Jesus is what he was doing. He was telling people about Jesus, and it, they stuck him in prison for that. Now, it, all he had to do to get rid of that dilemma in his life is to quit focusing on Jesus. Just qu- shut up, Paul. Quit talking about Jesus. Quit putting that out there and letting people know that you are a follower, if you just remain quiet or you just focus on something else, you wouldn't even be here in the first place. And Paul knows this very well. I I don't have to tell you that, that we all can expect, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we can all expect to sacrifice for the cause. You know, Jesus' kingdom is super demanding. I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you are really pursuing the kingdom of Jesus Christ, 
It is very demanding. He expects a lot of us, and he expects us to sacrifice a lot. He expects us to sacrifice our pleasures. He expects us to sacrifice our self-gains, you know, things that we think would gain us here. He expects us to lay those aside. He expects us to sacrifice our comforts. This is why it's hard to be the exception, by the way. It's because of all that is expected of us. And I'm going to ask you today to say no to self. I'm going to ask you to say no to Satan. And I'm going to ask you to say no to the world. And I know how hard that is. Because, first of all, I know that we are, we are pretty stuck on self. We know what self likes and we like what self likes, right? I mean, that is just a reality. And so it is hard for us to, that's why when the Bible says deny self and take up your cross, if we literally listen to that and then try to apply it, how difficult that is to deny self. Now we don't love Satan, but at the same time, he is so good at his job. I mean, Adam and Eve, they weren't naive and stupid. Satan was just that good. That he could convince them to quit focusing on God and to start focusing on something other than, right? And the world, let me tell you something. When somebody asks you to focus on a kingdom that you cannot see versus a kingdom, even though it's a lot less than, that you can see, that is tough stuff, right? It's easy to focus on this world. It's easy to focus on this kingdom because you can see it and you can feel it and you, you feel its pressures and everything about it. But when somebody says to start focusing on a kingdom you can't see, so I know what we're up against here. And I realize that it is difficult for us to just pay attention. But Paul, this is why I want to look at Paul because Paul does an amazing job. He never quits focusing on the kingdom of Jesus. Even in the midst of, you know, self and Satan and the world pressuring him on all sides. So let us look and see what he says here. This is in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 12. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. It says, I want you to know, brothers that what has happened to me has already served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. There's two things that I want you to see right off the bat here that, that communicate to us and demonstrate to us that Paul is focused on the kingdom of God rather than any of those other things I just mentioned. And then the first one is, is that his actions advance the gospel. Whenever your actions advance the gospel, then no doubt that you are focused on the kingdom of God. When it advances some other kingdom instead of the kingdom of God, then obviously you are not focused on the kingdom of God. And so right off he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Sure it has. And, and this doesn't catch Paul off guard that he is in prison for his faith in the midst of what he was under and, and what he was, you know, the pressure that he has. He's not surprised because the gospel has always cost him something. It, it has always done this to him. And it's just like if we go to um, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, here's what I know. I know that when I became a Christian and I stepped into this new kingdom of God, 
I knew that it was going to cost me something. In fact, just to step into it cost me something. It cost me relationships. It cost me things that I really wanted to pursue in life and things that I really enjoyed about life. It cost me a lot of things just to step into the kingdom. And I knew that probably what was down the road was going to cost me too. I knew it was going to. I knew what I was getting into, just like Paul knew what he was getting into. But the thing is, is that it is so hard to stay focused on the kingdom. It's like I need constant reminders. You know, just like an athlete needs to be reminded that, hey, you're not there yet. You need to keep working. You need to keep at it. You need to keep pursuing it. Or the, 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 the coach in the you know, with, of the boxer, and the boxer is getting his head knocked off, right? And he's, he's just ready to lay down and quit. And the coach is saying, look, I think you're doing okay. I think you about got him, you know? And just hang in there and keep pursuing this. Or the soldier who it needs to be reminded that, look, do you know what's at stake here? The fight and the battle is not over. I don't know about you, but I need people in my life like that. And Paul is like that to me, but Paul knew what he was signing up for. He was the exception. And he made a list here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I just want to read through it real quick. But he, he says, As, are, are they servants of Christ? He's, he's asking, are they really, truly servants of Christ? Let me show you what a list of servants of Christ look like. I am a better one. I am talking on my mind now. First of all, I want you to know that he isn't bragging here. He was just pointing out that, let me tell you what identifies me as a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's got to do with sacrifice. Because the kingdom of God is so demanding that you ought to have a list of sacrifices that are ongoing. Now, maybe your list isn't near as, you know, eye-catching and impressive as this, but let me tell you, it should cost you to be a follower of Jesus. But this is his list, and I, I just admire it so much. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, and countless beatings, and often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Now, most people didn't live through that one time, but he did five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was drift a sea. On frequent journeys and dangers of the rivers, dangers of robbers, dangers from my own country, our own people, danger from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at the sea, dangers from false brothers, and on and on the list goes in his life. And let me tell you something, who is responsible for his list? It is Jesus Christ who is responsible. That is what got him into these predicaments every single time is what he's saying. And I'm just blown away by this. Let me, let me ask you something. What, what is on your list? I'm not trying to ask you to outdo Paul and give me, you know, your, your list. I'm just saying that every Christian should expect to have a list. And every Christian should expect to be adding to this list often. So let me tell you this. It might cost you to not promote things that you want to promote in order for you to promote the kingdom of God in the midst of this chaos. 
Because you're going to want to promote the things that you want to promote. And you're going to want to promote things that you think will benefit your little space and your little community, your little country, and all of these things. And you're going to want to do that. But if it does not promote the kingdom of God, then Jesus Christ is asking you to sacrifice your own desires to make sure that he is lifted up in the midst of it. It's just a sacrifice we have to make. So stay focused. Promote Jesus and his kingdom. Don't let your emotions in the midst of all that is going on get the best of you. Remember that you belong to a kingdom that is not of this world. And remember that he wants you to promote it. He wants you to be praying his kingdom come, his will be done. Not your kingdom or somebody else's kingdom or this United States kingdom. He wants his kingdom to be promoted in your life. And when you stepped into that relationship with Jesus, you just have to know that you expected this. I expected it. I knew that he was going to ask me to do this. Expect also that the chaos that is going on around you is trying to get you to focus on something else. It, this, is, this is Satan's strategy. Satan is, is constantly strategizing against us to try to get us to make life about something other than Jesus and his kingdom. But in prison, Paul sees that his suffering was not in vain. That he had a purpose. And so he's just like, it, it, it's, it's promoting, advancing the kingdom, the gospel. In verse 14, we got, just get there, it says, And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by, by my imprisonment. Now think about that. Most of the brothers, I know it's advancing the kingdom because most of the brothers have become confident in, in their own walk with Jesus by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. People who are willing to risk their own comforts, their own pursuits, their own gains, their own, you know, anything that they are wanting to pursue in order to pursue Jesus, they, are they not encouraging to us? Are they not valuable to us? I mean, when I showed you the Jonathan Isaac video last week, did it not encourage you? It, it should encourage us, and it does encourage me. I mean, to just want to be the exception. Those are the people who are the exceptions. He was the only one that was standing. And the only one that had the boldness to say that Jesus Christ is more important, not that I don't think that this other is, has some significance about it, and it doesn't have, and that I'm not for black lives. I am so for black lives, right? But I am so much more for Jesus Christ. That's all he was saying. And he was the exception. Is that the only person in that room that believes that? I don't know, but let me tell you something. It probably got those people that did believe in Jesus to think, wow, I kind of want to be like that. It, it just motivates you. You know, I, I think that we need people like that. We need people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you don't know who that is, you ought to Google that this week. Just people that are willing to sacrifice self for the kingdom of God, just like Paul is doing here. They give strength, and as Paul is saying, they give confidence. They, they make you feel like, that, man, I, I just want to, 
I want to stand for something that matters. I think all of us want to, right? I mean, that's the whole point of, of all of the the yakking and stuff and everywhere that you look is because people want to stand for stuff. But but us as followers of Jesus, we should want to stand for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus. And they give us confidence to do that, to stand up even in the midst of our friends, even in the midst of our colleagues, even in the midst of the things that are going on. Paul saw this as an opportunity to demonstrate to everyone, hey, If you had any doubt where I stand and what my life is about, let me show you. Isn't that what he was saying? And he did that. This is difficult. It is difficult to let people know that you stand for Jesus Christ in our world today. Because they will want to demote you. They will want to make fun of you. They will want to make you seem like you are stupid and and don't have a clue what's going on in the world. It's scary because a lot's at stake, but we need businessmen like David Green. I was going to show you his video today, but I decided not to just because of time. But I want you to Google that guy's name, David Green. He's the owner of Hobby Lobby, and if you know his story, you will just be amazed by it. But, but at one time, the government told him that we will sue you literally, take your business away from you if you don't start providing for your employees the day after pills. And he's just like, take it because I'm not doing it. Now, they offered all kinds of contraceptive um, um, medicines and things of that sort that did not uh, mess with his, in his family's uh, convictions with Jesus Christ. But when they offered that and he saw that it was connected with abortion, he was not about to do it. And it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And he was pretty sure that he was not going to win, but he won. And he got his business back. He wrote a book, gave it all away, and got it all back. And it's a pretty amazing book, but that's what he stood for. He was willing to give it all up for the name of Jesus Christ. They interview him on ABC. That's where I was going to show you. And it's just amazing. They're just like dumbfounded. I don't even know really what you're saying to me. Why you would do this? Why wouldn't you do the other? You know, kind of thing. Even though he explains it well to us, we understand And he encourages us. We need people, businessmen like that. We need businessmen like Kathy Truitt. Wasn't he amazing? He lived to be 93. What an amazing guy. Uh, Owns Chick-fil-A. Both of those businesses, by the way, are not open on Sunday. You know why? Because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to be promoted in their life, in their business, more than anything else. And a lot of people will be like, man, you guys, you guys are stupid. You left all this money on the table. You know how much money you make on Sunday? That's when all of the church people go out to eat. I'm not going to do it. not going to do it. And we need people in our life like that. They are the exception. But that is what Jesus has called us to be, is it not, church? To be the exception to keep our eyes focused on him, even if it costs us something. And as we go through all this chaos that is going on in our lives, we are going to be so tempted to make it about something else. Satan is going to tempt us. He's good. We are going to want to make it about something else because we think we're good. The world is going to want us to make it about something else because we see it. But Jesus is going to still want us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Let me keep my eyes focused on that. You know, there are businesses right now that are taking a stand. Have you noticed? Just coming out of the word work, I know that you've noticed. Coming out of the word work, making announcements over their loud speakers and putting it on, you know, the big billboards as big as they can that they, they want to make a stand for Black Lives Matter. They want to make a stand for the, the next president. This is who we think should be. You know what? We're going we're gonna to yank this guy's comment off of Facebook because we want to make a stand and let everybody know that we don't believe in the direction that he's taken. Uh, they are making a stand everywhere they are, but you know what? Where are their voices when it comes to, you know, um, sanctity of marriage and, and uh, abortion issues and, and uh, the Sabbath and trying to keep it holy and, and just all these other things that, that show who you, what kingdom you belong to? They're completely silent. The reason they're completely silent is because they're not belong to that kingdom. They're not trying to promote the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we need businessmen that do. We need individuals that do. We need Christians who are willing to be the exception. So in your school, you're going to be in the midst of all kinds of chaos. Be the exception there. At your work, you're going to be involved in all kinds of chaos. Be the exception. When you come to church... Let me tell you, you're going to be in the midst of people that just aren't convinced to make Jesus the highest priority of their life. And let me tell you, even there, be the exception. Be the exception wherever you go. Promote Jesus. You know, a lot of weaker followers of Jesus would never even think about sacrificing so much. But that's what Jesus is doing, is he trying to pull us into it. And you'd be surprised who the weaker ones are and who the strong ones. Don't ever assume that the weaker ones are the new Christians. Don't ever assume that. The weaker ones are just the ones who just aren't aren't making it about Jesus. That's how Jesus draws the line is just that way. Let me tell you about the hypocrites, he says. Let me tell you about the people who are trying to manipulate God. And now let me try to pull you to make it about his kingdom, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, this isn't cause. When Paul has his focus so much on Jesus and he's thrown in jail... Nobody is running around worshiping Paul, not, not true followers of Jesus. They are, it makes them not worship Paul. It makes them worship Jesus more. When we promote Jesus like this, I'm not bowing down to worship, you know, Jonathan Isaac. But Jonathan Isaac makes me want to worship Jesus more. You see what I'm saying? And that's why we need to promote this. And let me, see, let me show you what Paul says in verse 15. He says, some indeed preach Christ from an from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. So he's making a distinction again. There's some people that, that, that preach Jesus for this reason, from, from envy and rivalry, but there's some people that do it 
out of goodness of just wanting to promote Jesus. But listen to what he says. He says, The later do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. The reality is, is that some, some, maybe some of us, I don't know, some Christians will always be more concerned about self and about their pocketbooks and about how this affects them. They're always going to be asking, how, what is it that, that I get out of this? What's in this for me if I do this or do that? Instead of looking to Jesus' kingdom and just asking, what does Jesus get out of this? What does he, how does he benefit from this? How is it that he is promoted? As we witness this chaos in our world, in the political chaos, in the pandemic chaos, in the uprising chaos, and maybe in personal chaos that is going on in your life right now, let us ask this. Instead of what's best for me, let us ask Rather, what is best for Jesus' kingdom? How can I advance it by what I do here, by what I say, what I pursue? In the verse, Paul uses this word selfish ambition. Some people preach Christ out of selfish ambition. You know what the word selfish ambition literally means? It means motivation to elevate self or to put one's own interests above another's. It is a, a, a self-above-other approach. And now Paul, when he says this, he also gives us a way to combat against this because this is where you default to if you don't have another thing to put in its place. You will always default to selfish ambition unless you can replace it with something else. And he gives you the very thing to replace it with. The opposite of being selfish and vain is in verse 3 and 4 of Second. Uh, Philippians, it says, in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not at his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he goes on to say, have the same mind as that of Christ. Don't you remember that Christ gave up everything in his kingdom, left his kingdom and came to this kingdom to give it all up for you, to give his life, and, and he humbled himself. I mean, people didn't treat him well here. Even though he was the king of the universe, the king of the cosmos, everything that is in existence. And yet he gave it all up. He humbled himself because he put others first. And he's asking us to do the same thing, to not be part of a selfish ambition. Paul didn't lack ambition. Let me just make sure that that's clear. When you see his list of suffering and stuff like that, that's not a sign of lack of ambition, right? I mean, they beat the tar out of him, and he got back up and went for another one. He didn't lack ambition. What he, what he rejected was selfish ambition, and he instead gravitated and accepted and, and wanted to be ambitious for the kingdom of Jesus Christ is what he wanted. He was driven to promote the kingdom over his own life, over his own comforts, advancements, his own prosperity. Much like Jesus did. 
Now, there's a lot of scripture I wanted to get to, and so I'm going to just stop commenting. And we're going to start in verse 19, and we're just going to read through the rest of this and let the Holy Spirit talk to you. Verse 19, it says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. What a statement. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I choose, I cannot tell. I am pressed between the two. My desire is to part and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for the progress and joy of the faith. I just have to comment that no doubt he would choose to want to go ahead and exit and be with Christ because everywhere he goes, he gets mistreated. But he does it for what? The advancement of the gospel. He says he does it for you. Anyway, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. I've got to repeat that. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to you and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the, the political party of your choice? No. With one mind standing side by side for the faith of the gospel. This is the only way to let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. It's to do it the way Paul did it. To stand side by side with other followers, true followers of Jesus that are just putting his kingdom above everything else. Even if it costs. Verse 28, it says, And not frightened in any way by our opponents. Now that right there needs to be just soaked in, right? Not be frightened by our opponents. Remember all this has got to do with choosing sides? Don't be frightened by whoever's on the opposite side. And this is why. This is a clear sign to them that they're of, of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. In other words, don't be freaking out about what people are doing on the other side and think that you have to do something to protect all of that. You just stay focused on the kingdom of God and doing what elevates and promotes it and let God take care of the rest. Verse 29, it says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake. There's your list, right? Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I, ha I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection or sympathy, do you have any of that, church? Then complete my joy by being the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of, the, of one mind. 
Verse 3, do, not, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not at his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have the mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God was highly exalted him and bestowed him, stowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. And Paul kept his focus in the midst of chaos. In the midst of self-preservation, he didn't choose self to preserve. He chose the kingdom of God to preserve and to promote. And he kept focus. And he is such an encouragement to the church right now, if the church is listening, of how to do this, how to navigate through all of this. And this is what the table is about. This is what the table is about. It it strengthens us. Do you know that the first table that Jesus was sitting around, there was a guy who just could not stop pursuing self and the world and letting Satan confuse and get him to stop looking at Jesus. His name was Judas, and he was sitting around that table, wasn't he? Communion table. And he just had to exit. He had to just get up, and he had to just... He had to just go and pursue those things. We're around a table. How is, your, how is this going to affect your week, church? How is this, when you leave here, who's going to have your focus? Are you going to go back to focusing on self and promoting the things in this world? Or are you going to leave here and just be focused on Jesus and promoting Jesus? Let me tell you, there's other guys that were sitting around that table. Judas, Judas got up and just left and went in pursuit of the world and the things of the world. But the other guys, they were just like, man, Jesus, that's all I want is you. Now, there was chaos, a big old gigantic storm that came just right after that table setting, right? And some of them, man, they just were having a tough time hanging in there, and it was bringing all kinds of confusion and, and just... I don't know, fear upon them, but I think, this is just my opinion, but I think that it was that table time that got them through that tough time. And this table time is, this is so important. This is, there's a reason this is the central part of our gathering together. It's because it is right here that our hearts are challenged the most on who gets our weak and who gets our loyalty And for us just to come around this table with Jesus and to drink this juice that represents his blood and to eat this cracker that represents his body 
and to just remind ourselves and to tell Jesus, Jesus, you're still all for me. I'm still in this for you. I'm still in this for your kingdom. I'm still in this to promote you. You are my all. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done this week. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to partake. Father God, we uh, thank you so much. For your guidance and your spirit, your word, how valuable your word is for us to know about Paul and to know Paul's words and them to be preserved over time, for us to be strengthened by those words in our own time, in our own circumstance. It's so valuable to us, Father. We thank you so much for this table. For this table, it, it strengthens us. It challenges our hearts to really look into them and to see if we're being hypocritical, to see if we are trying to just make life a, about this world and trying to manipulate you to work for us. It, it really, Father, pulls us to this genuine relationship with you, this communion with you. And I just pray, Father, that we would, we would just humble ourselves at this moment and as we partake of this juice and this emblem that we take it in with humility and we take it in with a renewed confidence that Paul has given us, that your word has given us, that your spirit has given us to hang in there and to stay focused. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.